On the show today, Russia escalates the threat in the Black Sea. Our information also indicates that Russia has laid additional sea mines in the approaches to Ukrainian ports. Plus, landmines reported at the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant. The mines flouted IAEA safety standards. Grossi added that the presence of mines located between the site's internal and external perimeter barriers increased psychological pressure on plant staff. And later in the program, air raid sirens were ringing in much of northern and central Ukraine. We'll hear from Kyiv. Today is Tuesday, July 25th. From the Voice of America, this is Flashpoint Ukraine. Good evening, I'm Steve Karish in Washington. The UN's nuclear watchdog has said its staff at the Russian-occupied Zaporizhia nuclear power plant have reported seeing anti-personnel mines around the site. AP correspondent Karen Chamas reports. International Atomic Energy Agency Director General Rafael Mariano Grossi said the mines flouted IAEA safety standards. Grossi added that the presence of mines located between the site's internal and external perimeter barriers increased psychological pressure on plant staff. Nevertheless, Grossi confirmed that if any of the mines exploded, it should not affect the site's nuclear safety and security systems. I'm Karen Chamas. Ukrainian grain and the Black Sea grain deal are still in the news and likely will be for a while. First on the subject, a developing story from the United Nations in New York. Britain has information indicating the Russian military may further expand its targeting of Ukrainian grain facilities to include attacks on civilian shipping in the Black Sea. This according to Britain's UN ambassador, Barbara Woodward. And now our information indicates that the Russian military may expand their targeting of Ukrainian grain facilities further to include attacks against civilian shipping in the Black Sea. This morning, Prime Minister Sunak spoke to President Zelensky to share this information with him. Prime Minister Sunak also told President Zelensky that he is appalled by the devastation caused by recent Russian attacks on Odessa and that the UK is working closely with Turkey and the UN to restore the Black Sea grain deal. Our information also indicates that Russia has laid additional sea mines in the approaches to Ukrainian ports. And we agree with the US assessment that this is a coordinated effort to justify and lay blame on Ukraine for any attacks on civilian ships in the Black Sea. So tomorrow, at the request of Ukraine, The Security Council will once again meet on Russia's escalatory attacks on Odessa and attempts to weaponize global food supplies. For more context, I'm joined by VOA's UN correspondent, Margaret Bashir. Right, so we heard from Barbara Woodward, who's the 
uh, British envoy to the United Nations. She said that her prime minister, Rishi Sunak, called President Zelensky in Kiev today and told him that the British have information that indicates that Russia has laid additional sea mines in the approaches to Ukrainian ports. And she said the British agree with Washington's assessment that this is a coordinated effort to justify and lay blame on Ukraine for any potential attacks on civilian ships that are passing through the Black Sea. Um, and this is a, an issue because, you know, since uh, Russia withdrew from the Black Sea grain deal last week, they've been uh, incessantly basically bombing uh, port infrastructure across southern Ukraine. And most recently, they hit uh, a port that's very close to Romania, which is a NATO member. And uh, Barbara Woodward said that the Russians were using uh, a very heavy weaponry to bomb uh, these ports. And part of what they're hitting are the silos that are holding the grain and such that's to be exported, but can't now be exported because this deal has ground to a halt. And she said they used uh, weapons that are five and a half ton weapons, which are designed to destroy aircraft carriers. And she said that it's absurd to be using such heavy duty weaponry to destroy food. And she said that shows that weaponizing global food supplies is a calculated part of Russia's strategy in this war. Were there any other takeaways from the meeting, from the press conference? Well, she did mention, um, as we know, uh, the price of grain and corn and soybeans jumped after Russia withdrew from the deal last week. And it wasn't just a one-day jump. She said the price of grain has risen by 8% uh, since last week. And that will hurt uh, developing countries the most. And in fact, African countries are about, several African leaders are about to head off to St. Petersburg in Russia to have a summit with uh, President Putin. And, you know, she urged them to... Uh, to give a message to President Putin to to stop the war and, uh, you know, to remind him that they need the grain. Was there any statement, any guess from either Woodward or anyone else there as to why Russia would be doing this? Striking the ports. Striking the ports, mining the ports, um, and using such heavy weaponry. Well... I mean, she said the heavy weaponry, you know, that it's not necessary. But, I mean, it, a lot of uh, Western officials have been commenting in recent days, uh, giving their concerns about the, the damage, the long-term damage that's being done to Ukraine's ports by the, these uh, calculated attacks, really. And it's a way for Russia to cut off any alternative routes for Ukraine to ship its grain out. So they're really trying to cut Ukraine's economic lifelines, not just food lifelines to the rest of the world. They're trying to strangle Ukraine's uh, economy, which has been part of the calculus since the beginning of the war. But it's also, you know, very much concerted right now around the grain and corn and foodstuffs. Because don't forget, Russia and Ukraine are both very big food exporters to the world. So if Ukraine can't export its grain, Russia is going to get a higher price for its exports. And they've had a very good harvest this year by all accounts. So they're going to stand to make more money to fuel their war effort if they can get a higher price for grain. So it has many uh, different elements to it. VOA's UN correspondent Margaret Bashir is in New York. Margaret, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for your reporting today. Thanks for having me on.
For its part, when asked about rejoining the grain deal, the Kremlin said on Tuesday that it was impossible for Russia to return to the Black Sea grain export deal for now, as an agreement related to Russian interests was not being implemented. Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Peskov told journalists that President Vladimir Putin had made it clear that the deal could be revived if the Russia-focused part of the agreement was honored. Unfortunately, it is impossible to return to the Black Sea grain deal for now because it's not working. De facto, it wasn't implemented. That's why it is impossible. At the same time, President Putin made it clear that Russia is ready to immediately resume the deal as soon as it is honored. Peskov added that it would be important for Russia to discuss grain supplies with African countries at the Russia-Africa summit later this week. It is more important than ever to get together with the Africans and discuss, in particular, food obligations and the reasons for the failure of the grain deal, Russia's efforts to support the world markets, Russia's responsible approach to this, and what obligations on whose part were not met. That's Kremlin spokesperson Dmitry Peskov. The grain deal and market disruptions are affecting American farmers halfway around the world from the Black Sea. For them, the war abroad and drought conditions at home are fueling uncertainty. VOA's Kane Farbaugh visits with a farmer coping with shifts in weather, increased costs to run his family farm, and fluctuating commodity prices. June was one of the driest months on record for the state of Illinois. Bad timing for Gridley farmer David Meese. So here you are at the end of June with all the money and most of the work other than the harvest part in a crop and you're seeing it wither away. The drought conditions in June came as Meese's input costs for seed and fertilizer were more expensive than ever. We were running out of gas, literally. Then good fortune came to Illinois. Meese went from seeing almost no rainfall to 18 centimeters of precipitation in just three weeks. That's unheard of to get that much rain. But as he inspects the corn crops still growing in his fields this July, he worries the damage might already be done. We know we've got some damage, some yield loss, and some of the crop is not where we had intended it to be. Being one of the most expensive crops we put in the ground. You got our factory in, there's a weight per kernel. On a year like this year, we need more revenue than what we normally do. While me scrapples with shifting weather patterns this summer, events half a world away could give his income an unexpected boost. As the war in Ukraine drags on, Russia announced it was terminating a UN-brokered agreement allowing the flow of grains, like corn and wheat, to continue through shipping channels in the Black Sea, stoking new fears of food shortages. Joe Camp is the director of Managed Programs for Comstock Investments, an agriculture risk management firm. Russia and Ukraine together account for about 20% of the world's wheat and corn exports. So if some of that supply is shut off, uh, then there's going to be a shifting balance of trade demand. Camp says it could bring other buyers into the marketplace for U.S. supplies. Uh, Ukraine is a big supplier of our top customers like China. And so that'll have an impact of what's ahead in terms of U.S. trade demand. And I've heard people say that this will be good for us eventually in the long run because our commodity is going to be worth more. 
While Meese won't know the full impact of the drought until he harvests in September, he is keenly aware if demand and prices soar, one man's gain is another man's loss. Suddenly you're removing that big of a portion of the food supply, it gets alarming and really, quite frankly, it's very sad. I would probably literally trade my increased price if I knew people weren't starving over something like that. Wheat prices are down about 50% from all-time highs during the first month of Russia's 2022 invasion of Ukraine. Corn prices are also lower this year after reaching a 10-year high last April. But prices for both crops are rising as Russia steps up attacks on Ukraine's Black Sea shipping ports, a key avenue for Ukraine's crops to reach international markets. Kane Fairbaugh, VOA News, Gridley, Illinois. You're listening to VOA's Flashpoint Ukraine. I'm Steve Karish. Much of northern and central Ukraine was targeted by Russian drones Monday night. For more, we visit with Anna Chernikova in Kyiv. Uh, yeah, well, uh, basically the whole country, uh, we can we can put it this way, that the whole country was under uh, attack because the siren uh, went off uh, almost uh, everywhere and uh, in all regions. It was a drone attack and most of drones were targeting Kyiv. We also have confirmation from the air defense that uh, all drones that were targeting Kyiv were destroyed, so they never reached uh, the capital. But uh, also there are uh, well there is a list of uh, of uh, of regions that were affected the most uh, and basically we can see that central and north part of the country uh, this night was under this uh, most of the uh, attack was uh, targeting there and for the moment we do not have any information about victims however victims or injured uh, within the civilians or military. However, we have confirmation that in Jodoma region, uh, it was uh, it was a heat uh, in one of the infrastructure facility. Uh, and uh, for the moment, we don't know exactly, at least we don't have official confirmation about the uh, effect that this would have. But uh, in general, most uh, most of the drones were, were destroyed. Now, Anna, you were in Kyiv during the attacks. You've been in Kyiv during past attacks as well. Was this as bad as others? Uh, no, I cannot say that it was as as bad. Uh, it was uh, well. It was another disturbing night. Of course, everyone woke up uh, because of the si- of this of the sound of siren in the middle of the night. It was around two o'clock in the morning. Uh, but uh, I personally d- did not hear any. Uh, explosions or any uh, air defense in action uh, because, as I already mentioned, uh, drones did not reach the capital, so everything was destroyed at the outskirts. Now, Anna, speaking of drones, um, we mentioned the other day that highly likely Ukrainian drones attacked Moscow on Monday. The White House said late on Monday they do not support attacking Moscow. Has there been any uh, official reaction from either President Zelensky or his administration? Uh, not particularly uh, official reaction on that. However, uh, we can say that uh, Ukraine, uh, previously, uh, Ukrainian officials uh, mentioned that 
any military uh, any military targets on the territory of Russia could be uh, could be a legitimate target with Ukrainian equipment. So, according to military equipment, so according to Ukrainian officials, they will consider attacking Russian territory with uh, with uh, the equipment that they can use on Russian territory. Changing gears to the other subject that seems to be uh, all over the news these days is the grain deal. Now, we have heard reporting today and in previous programs about how food prices around the world are going up because Russia has withdrawn from the grain deal. We've seen Russia stepping up its attacks on agricultural uh, shipping infrastructure, uh, apparently in an effort to prevent Ukraine from getting its grain and other agricultural products to market. What's the mood in Kyiv? What are people saying? What's the, the general population feeling about this? Uh, well, I can say that Ukrainians are definitely um, interested in in grain uh, to be transferred tr- transferred from Ukraine to countries in need. Ukrainians uh, see this as a black blackmail f- from Russia that Russia uses uh, grain uh, as uh, basically as a as a weapon uh, as a war weapon uh, and uh, Ukrainians uh, I think that um, do not mind uh, to find alternative solution maybe without uh, without Russia being di- involved directly or at least uh, finding this uh, you know uh, alternative solution with Turkey and UN um, uh, separately without uh, maybe not going in line with Russia because here inside the country people do not believe that Russia would uh, you know agree that easily to uh, get back to the deal and get back to the transportation without Ukraine giving up on too much so uh, and this is probably the main concern uh, that Russia wants Ukraine uh, well apparently uh, at, at least this is how it is It is perceived here that Russia probably wants too much from Ukraine and from the partners as well. So um, uh, Russia puts a certain, uh, creates creates certain environment for itself uh, to, to to, to, to get to get things uh, it's interested in uh, in return uh, for this grain deal. So uh, yeah, so I think that uh, I don't think that Ukrainians are positive uh, about uh, Russia being back uh, in at least uh, at least soon and at least on the conditions which would be appropriate for Ukraine. But Ukrainians are interested to be well. To continue this grain transportation for countries in need. And we'll leave it there for today. Anna Chernikova in Kyiv. Anna, as always, thanks for your time today. Thank you, Steve. The White House says it does not support attacks inside Russia after being asked about drones that damaged buildings in Moscow on Monday. Here's White House Press Secretary Karine Jean Pierre. And we have been clear, as you asked me about the Ukrainian drone strikes and what we what we make of this. Uh, and so, look, on the drone strikes in in uh, in Moscow, we've been clear that as as a general matter, we do not support attacks inside of Russia. But we also have been very clear that Crimea is indeed Ukraine. 
And so, again, this is uh, this is something that when it comes to this war, this is, uh, as we all know, Russia started this war and they can end this today. But what we will continue to do, we'll continue to provide uh, security assistance to Ukraine as we have been uh, for, um, for more than 15 months, uh, as they are fighting for their freedom, fighting for uh, their sovereignty. This is their war. They started this war. And they could end it, you hear us say this all the time, they can end it at any time, any time, uh, by withdrawing forces uh, from Ukraine instead of launching brutal attacks on civilians, uh, on uh, Ukraine city, cities. And that's what they do, on doing every day on this brutal attack for more than 15 months. Uh, Russia, Russia has been bombarding the Ukrainian port of Odessa, killing and injuring Ukrainian civilians, devastating UNESCO-listed world heritage sites, as I mentioned at the top, and destroying tens of thousands of tons of grain that were going to be shipped to countries around the world. Russia spoke of taking harsh retaliatory measures against Ukraine after two drones damaged buildings, including one close to the defense ministry's headquarters, in what Russian authorities called a brazen act of terror. However, no one was hurt. On Sunday, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, whose government rarely comments on attacks inside Russia or on Russian-controlled territory, promised what he calls a retaliation to Russian terrorists for Odessa. Since the start of Russia's invasion in Ukraine, 60,000 Ukrainian children have been treated at the First Medical Union in Lviv, located in St. Nicholas's Children's Hospital. Omlan Oshudliak has the story. Despite intense pain, nine-year-old Veronica is trying to move her hand. Her physical therapist, Serhii Huda, is helping. She stayed with her relatives in a bomb shelter. The whole family, nine people. Witnesses say a tank shell hit the shelter. The shelling happened in April 2022 in Vuhledar, a town in the Donbass region. Veronica's family was hiding from explosions in the basement of an apartment building. There were none of them. Her grandparents were shielding her during the attack. Her parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles all died. Veronica was the only one to have survived. Grandma Nina was there. Papa Anton, too. I don't remember my mom. Aunt Anya was there. And Uncle Oleg. Or maybe it wasn't Oleg. Veronica was brought to the hospital in a critical condition, with shell fragments in her head and neck. She spent several months at St. Nicholas Children's Hospital of the First Medical Union in Lviv, relearning to walk, hold objects and smile. The First Medical Union of Lviv, an umbrella medical association made up of a number of hospitals, has become the largest medical hub in Ukraine's rear. Since the war began, they have opened a rehabilitation center called Unbroken and a department for pediatric rehabilitation. One of Veronica's nurses, Snezhana Shmigeluk, remembers the traumatized little girl. When we came in every morning before we even changed, she was waiting for us. When we left, she cried. Knowing she had nowhere to return, it was hard to tell her we were going home. A year after her treatment and recovery, Veronica still comes to the hospital to visit the people who saved her. Today, she lives at a foster home and attends school. A year ago, it was hard for her to imagine she would be living a reasonably normal life. I know many people here, friends of mine. Today is the best day for me. 
Veronica is one of the 350 severely wounded children who have been saved by Lviv doctors since Russia invaded Ukraine. Physical therapist Huda remembers them all. I never forget. They all have become a part of our lives. Ihor Koshivka, deputy director for rehabilitation, says the first medical union also is trying to raise $950,000 to purchase equipment. Previously, we were providing rehabilitation to 600 patients a year. Now, thanks to this expansion, we're helping some 1,200 patients. According to UNICEF, more than 1,000 Ukrainian children have been injured and 525 killed since Russia began its invasion in February 2022. Omelano Shudlak for VOA News, Lviv, Ukraine. And that'll do it for us today. Stay up to date with continuing coverage on Ukraine and news from around the world 24 hours a day. Visit us online at voanews.com and on social media be sure to follow VOA News. On behalf of the entire Flashpoint Ukraine team, thanks for listening. Until next time, I'm Steve Karish. This is the voice of America. Washington, bam, 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 zip, D.C.